You're listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast, your place for life-changing messages that will build your faith and propel your life. If you enjoyed today's message, why don't you be a blessing and share it with a friend? So we're going to just build our faith. Just take a few minutes, you know, we've got, this is something that you could delve into um, for weeks. It is, you know, getting into the, 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 of course, it's really boils down to the atonement, what Jesus did, redemption. Um, you never get to the end of that. You keep drilling down into that, and the deeper you drill, the more you find, and the more you go further in that, the more it begins to swallow up everything else in your life. The bad things, the struggles, the insecurities, the wrong ideas, the wrong beliefs, they become swallowed up the deeper we drill into that. And so I just want to drill into that a little bit today. I want to drill into uh, just, we've got to stir ourselves up on that. And you know, we've got new people that come in through here all the time and we talk a lot about the blood of Jesus, and maybe if you haven't been church before, it might sound kind of strange. You know, why are you always talking about the blood? Like, blood, why are you talking about blood? <laughs> well, it's not a gang thing. <laughs> it is uh, a central facet of our, of our redemption and what Jesus has done for us. And to understand, you know, to, to really experience the fullness of it, there's so much to experience through an understanding of the blood of Jesus and what it has done for us and, 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 and understanding how it works in our lives. And, 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 and if, to order to experience those things, you've got to have an understanding. You're not going to have faith, you know, to receive it without understanding more about it. And so, you know, it's just something that we've got to come back to periodically and, and touch on. And, and, and remind ourselves about and redirect ourselves because it's so easy to get our focus off of Jesus and his redemptive work and onto ourselves and our own flaws and our own shortcomings. I mean, can anybody testify to that? I need to be redirected. I need to redirect myself. There's, there's, there's you know, the, the Bible calls Satan the, the accuser of the brethren, there's accusations, accusing thoughts that are constantly being bombarded into the atmosphere, into your mind, into other people's minds. There's, he, there, he's an accuser. And so he, he wants to remind you, of course. And when you try to even want to come into church and want to, you know, to, to, to encounter God or experience his presence, I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you just kind of get remember, reminded of how you didn't really... Um, Spend the time you should have spent fellowshipping this week, or maybe you didn't talk too nicely to, to, to your kids or your husband or, uh, you know, your roommate. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, it's just like all of that just kind of starts to replay right in front of you to, to disqualify you. And that's really what he's about. Whether it's healing or whether it's anything you need to receive from God, there is a voice that will disqualify you every time that you come to the Father if you do not learn how to recognize it, and how to handle and deal with it. And there is nothing that will deal with the voice of condemnation and the voice of accusation like an understanding and a faith 
in the blood of Jesus. Nothing silences that voice like that will. <laughs> Nothing else. Man, when guilt tries to rear its ugly head and you feel dirty, you feel stained, you feel unworthy, man, people are living in that state. And it's a result of sin in this world. But God has not only provided a solution to the sin problem, but he's also provided a solution to the consciousness problem of sin, which is what it did to our own perspective of ourselves, how it twisted how we began to see ourselves, the identity issue that resulted from it. And that's a big word in today's, in today's world even. You know, the identity issue, people struggling with their identity. Well, that's not a new thing. It's always been that way. The enemy lying to you about who you are, even from the garden. He started that lie where God turned and said, who told you? Who told you you were this? Who told you were that? I've had the Lord say that to me concerning things that, that I, you know, you know, times when you, when you start to, to nosedive down a certain path. And the Lord, who told you? Who told you that was who you were? Well, it's how it seems to be. But who told you? <laughs> Where did you, why, why would you make that conclusion? And, and if it's not what I, you know, the only one qualified to tell you who you are is God himself. He reserved that right for himself. He is the only one who gets to tell you who you are. We don't even have enough, know enough capacity and knowledge and know, we don't know enough to be able to say who we are. That's the bottom line. The truth of it is God is the one, our creator, our maker, the one who knows us from the inside out. He's the one, Psalm 139, it talks about how he, 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 he watched your parts, your, your parts of your body being formed from your mother's womb. He, he saw you from the very conception. He has been aware of you. He has been in tune with you. He's, he's, he, he's even interested in the, the minutest detail down to the number of hairs on your head, which is easier for some than others, right? But he is interested. The point is it's, it's down to that... <laughs> At an amen corner here. Uh, down, it's down to the minutest detail. You know, of course, the enemy always tries to make us feel like, ah, does he really care about this? Or is this really significant? Or this little thing, request that I have? I mean, if he, if he is interested down to the smallest detail of your life, he knows when you get up. He knows when you get down. He knows what, he's, he's in tune with you enough to know what you're about to say before you say it. He has, he has observed you. He has watched you. He has studied you. He has delighted in you that he is, I mean, you, know, you ever know somebody like that where you're like, I know what they're thinking. I know what they're about to say. That's how he is with you. His thoughts outnumber the sand and the sea. How vast are his thoughts towards you. He never stops thinking of you. The love of God. He is the only one that gets to tell you who you are. And he tells us in this word. And that's the starting point for every part of our relationship with him. It all starts out of an a, 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 a understanding of who we are. Changing that and adjusting it from the lies that we've been told, because I promise you, you've been told lies about who you are, and you may have even told yourself lies about who you are. Maybe you drew those conclusions from your own mistakes, 
The enemy lures you into something and then says, oh, see, that's who you are. Because of temptation, because of mistakes or failures, that doesn't define you. Even that doesn't define you. We need to define ourselves, not out of our struggle, but out of the word of God. And so God is the one who, 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 who is able to tell us who we are. Let's think about some of, of the characteristics of blood, the importance of just natural human blood. I just, I did a quick, uh, you know, medical search, looked on some of the med, medical sites, uh, and just looked at what it says about blood. We know that blood, well, the Bible says the life is in the blood. Life carry, blood carries life, right? Um, of course, if we lose our blood, there's no life anymore. person who loses their blood has ceased to live. They're no longer living in this human body. Um, we know that it's the source of DNA, that, that identity stamp of, you know, that identifies you, naturally speaking, is in the blood. Uh, it carries oxygen, carries nutrients to your body. And so um, it's so vital for the health of your body. It's causing healthy things to circulate. When you get your, that's why exercise is so good. When you get your blood moving, stuff gets carried uh, in in greater quantity. That blood flow makes, that circulation allows your body to reap the benefit of, of greater oxygen, greater nutrient distribution. And it carries cells and antibodies to fight infection and to protect you. That's all in your blood. The protection against disease. And when you do recover from a disease, your blood, after you've uh, kicked that, your blood will carry the antibodies. It's like a, a, the, the blueprint of how to, to, to defeat that and overcome that disease. And um, it carries, it purifies, it carries away wasteful products, carries it down to your liver and so that it can be disposed of, carries those harmful things away. The blood is a purifying agent. So just our natural human blood has qualities like that, you know, when we talk about washed in the blood. For your, the inside of your body, it is a purifying, it, it's a washing agent. And um, it regulates and it keeps your body in balance. It's a regulator. It just keeps you healthy. <laughs> it keeps you feeling good. When your blood becomes sick, a lot of things go wrong from there, right? Sickness in the blood causes, man, you can get to the point, uh, which would be what, like cancer, le- leukemia, where the, 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 the sickness gets into the blood and it becomes contaminated, and um, you can see what happens to people with that, how they begin to, their health just begins to deteriorate, and of course, it's without intervention, it can be, uh, the end result would be death, um, and some get to the point where, man, they, uh, they can't really even, they'll try through different methods to, to, to kill the bad stuff and hope the good stuff overtakes it, but then you get to the point where sometimes that all just ends, and it's like you just need a whole new, you need a bone marrow transplant. You need a bone marrow transplant. You need to replace your blood, basically, with, let it populate through the bone marrow. Let the blood be replaced. Your own blood be replaced to where you're actually carrying and producing the blood that was given through somebody else. It's almost, when that bone marrow transplant happens, they say that your DNA actually becomes replicated. Uh, Pastor Mark Hankins had a grandson who's, who, who had a bone marrow transplant, and they said that he can now be convicted of a crime that his brother did because his DNA will test the same as his brother's. 
Isn't that interesting? His DNA changed. And there were actually physical things, external things, that began to change in his looks once he got that bone marrow transplant from his brother. And they said that, you know, the, the cancer that had been in the blood, they, it had gone into remission, which means that it was, um, you know, it was, uh, let me see, I had a definition of it here that I wanted to read to you guys. Remission would be where uh, it's a recovery where it's no longer active, but there might still be some in there, but it's not active anymore. It's not predominant. So many people, um, you know, of course we know, you, you, are, you, are you making these relations into uh, spiritual things? How sin, the cancer that came into our lives, into humanity, that, man, it became toxic to where uh, even, uh, you know, some, so many people live in this, like, inactive revelation, like, okay, God has forgiven me, and hopefully it goes inactive. <laughs> hopefully, I, I'm, I'll always have these desires, but uh, hopefully I just will be able to not act on it. That's kind of like that cancer remission, that first stage. But then they said there's another remission that goes beyond that, and that's when the bone marrow transplant, it actually becomes molecular remission. And that molecular remission, where his, even his identity starts to, his DNA has been changed, it actually shows no trace that it ever was even there. No trace. So let's, 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 let's draw these parallels. The life of God in the blood of Jesus. The life he came God and man merged into one. The, the life and the, the, the DNA of God is what he carried in his blood as the son of God. He carried the DNA of divinity. And in that life, man, you know that life the life of God, it's not just when we hear eternal life, so many times we've thought it just meant we'll live forever. But eternal life in the Bible actually means the quality of life the way that God has it. It's actually not just a state of living forever. It's actually, it's like a force. It's a, it's, it's a, there's, there's a, it's a substance. The life of God imparted into our spirit. It's like we got a blood transfusion. Our human blood, our humanity, our DNA was so contaminated by sin and failure and all the mess that, uh, that, that came with it, guilt, condemnation. Uh, and, and, and the blood of Jesus is what transfused into us, gave us a new life, a new identity, changed our actual DNA, and it carries all of the, 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 the ability of God, the nutrients, the oxygen, the things that you need to be able to be restored to health in life. Maybe you, you're living life and you're like, but I'm not healthy. I remember those days where it's like I used to feel like, man, if I could, I'd hear that song, It Is Well With My Soul. And I remember feeling like, what would it be like to actually, to actually be well with my soul? feel so jacked up, you know, my emotions and my str the struggle and, and how, you know, the depression or whatever it is. 
But there is a place where you can actually, they didn't just sing that hypothetically. It's an experience that is for you, that God has for you, a place of healing and restoration. He's the good shepherd that restores our soul to where you can live whole in your emotions, whole in your will. A broken will means, I mean, we've all experienced that. You try to make the right decisions, and man, it just, <laughs> you go back on it every time. Maybe you last a little bit, and it just, and, and you know you don't want to choose these wrong things, but by God, you just keep choosing it. Your wills become broken. Well, the will is part of your soul where your decision maker can be restored to, to its true God-intended capacity to choose right, to choose God, and to make decisions and stick to it. And, and it's functioning together to choose the will of God and walk in the will of God for your life. The restoration of your soul and your mind to where you don't have to live in turmoil in your mind and crazy thoughts and, 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 and instability. God has restoration of the mind for you. And the blood of Jesus carries the, the, the ingredients necessary to do all of that in you. To fix all of the things that have been wrong. All of the things that sin damaged, there's an answer for it. Provision made for that, the return to health of your life in the blood of Jesus. Carries all that he is. Carries the antibodies. What does he have the antibodies to? Well, he defeated, he defeated all of hell. Any part of darkness and hell that could come against you, he has been there and he has overcome it and the antibodies to do so have been infused into you through his blood. You say, I've never faced this before. Sure don't know what to do here. Oh, but his blood, you don't need the antibodies. You know, your mind doesn't even have to know how your body's fighting infection when the antibodies come. I mean, it just works for you. You don't even have to know all the answers to all the things that you might be dealing with. When you put your faith in the blood, those antibodies get activated in you. Where things start to just be, be, be dealt with, be brought into order. It's, the, it's like the, the cure-all. You can go and try to chase each thing down on its own and try to find, okay, well, why did I do this? And, and what, what made me like this? And, okay, how am I going to overcome this? You can do that. You might have some success with it. Or you can just say, you know what? I'm going to put, I'm going to learn everything I know about redemption, about the blood. And I'm not saying there's not a place for, for God speaking to you, giving you insight, helping you have some understanding. But you don't, have to, you don't have to chase every single issue down in your life when you know how to put your faith in the answer to every issue that ever has existed. And things just start to come to life. I learned you can, you can apply faith in the power of the blood of Jesus over, uh, you know, over your own desires, even your own, when you know yourself. I've done that. I know there's a season in my life where, man, I was under attack. And it was, under, uh, the, it was like the enemy was after the call of God in my life. And, and the temptation was so strong just to, mm, 
I don't even want this anymore. Like, I'm just tired of this. I'm tired. I, 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 can't, I can't find God in this. I can't find, I felt like I couldn't find him in church. Like, it, it just, it, it was going through the motions. It, it was an attack on my, on my walk, my, my walk with God. And I began to learn this message on faith in the blood. Pastor Mark Hankins said, you can apply the blood over your own wrong desires over the wrong things in your mind, over your own decisions. You can apply the blood of Jesus, put your faith in it that it's able to shift that, turn it around, make you want to do things differently, make you want to make the right decision. Change all of that down to the desires in you. Whoa! Have you ever done that? Because isn't that the biggest struggle when you desire the wrong thing, but you know you shouldn't, and it's like you're fighting against yourself, and half the time, desire seems to win out in humanity. <laughs> if you can't change the desires, it's like you're only do, it's only, it's like a countdown until you actually just give in to it. But the blood has the power to go to the very root of that and change the desires inside of you to make you want to do the right things, make you want to follow the Father, make you want his will, make you want. And then it even gives you the power and your will to do it. He works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You see, when you start to dig into these things, it takes all the pressure off of you. All you have to do is believe in the power of the blood. All you have to do is believe what we were singing. It's more than enough. Some people are like, well, what were you singing about? Pleading the blood. Pleading the blood isn't even in the Bible. That term, I've heard that. I don't know. Some smart Bible school students try. You know, it's just a legal terminology is what it really is. The accuser of the brethren is bringing your mistakes in front of you, telling you why you don't qualify to receive from God, telling you all the things you've done wrong and how you fall short, and, 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 and accusing you in that courtroom. What do you say? How do you plead? You can either, oh, yeah, I'm just horrible, and I, and I just never can do anything right, and I don't know what's wrong with me. Or you could say, you know what? It's not about any of that. I plead the blood. I'm standing on the blood just as I am. There's an old song, just as I am without one plea. Not one plea. I don't need one argument. I don't need one thing but that the blood was shed for me and that in and of itself is more than enough. Oh, you think you deserve to be healed after you went and you know, did all this to your body all your life, and after you, the way you're acting, I plead the blood. <laughs> oh, you think you deserve to prosper? How you've been, how you've wasted money, and how you did this? No, I plead the blood. <laughs> oh, you think you deserve to have a family after the way you've acted and what you've done here? No, I plead the blood. <laughs> it's the answer to everything. Don't even get into the arguments. Don't even get down that. Don't go down that path. Just say, you know what? It's not about that. I plead the blood. What Jesus did was more than enough. I don't deserve it, but he's made me worthy. He has qualified me. The blood is enough to qualify me for the blessings of God. It's enough to make me worthy to be in relationship with him and receive from him. Faith in the blood of Jesus. This blood that was shed for you.
Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. so thankful God the salvation they call it the Bible calls it so great a salvation it is so great it is there's so much more to it than we've even scratched the surface of it the richness of it the fullness of it the completion of it is so great in Colossians chapter 1 Verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. You don't qualify. No, I might not, but guess what? God qualified me. <laughs> I didn't qualify myself. God qualified me. You got to talk to him. God has qualified you to what? To be a partaker, to be a sharer of the inheritance, the things that Jesus has provided for you. He's the one that's qualified you for that. You don't have to earn it, even with, you know, if you focus too much even on like, do I have faith? Do I not have faith? Am I doing it right? Am I, you become a, you get stuck into performance. Just the faith springs out of you looking at him and just believing that, wow, yes, I can believe that. I can believe that what he, the price he paid was more than enough. I can believe that the blood is more precious than, and more so valuable that it, it's enough to compensate for all of my failures and weaknesses and mistakes. I can believe it's more than enough. Can you believe that today? So when you start to put your eyes on that, when you start to talk about that, when you start to make much of that, it answers all those, vo it shuts down all those voices. You see what I'm saying? Shuts it all down. All that negative self-dialogue. And so it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Sin. What is sin? You know, I was thinking about that. I, I always like to try, you know, think of different ways to say it because sin is such a buzzword. We know and, and, and you know, you know what? I don't even know if people really fully understand, especially out in the world, what, what, is, what is sin. We know, the, you know, the Ten Commandments, okay, anything that's violating that is sin. But, you know, the Bible defines, in, in Romans 3, it talks about all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, there's a definition for sin called missing the mark. So it means, like, God set a mark here, like, this is what I want for you, and you miss it. And that really is a definition of sin. It doesn't have to be some huge, horrific, kindness act. Uh, it can just be falling short of the standard that he set. Another, another definition that, that, um, that I like, uh, that it's my definition, but it, it's when we try to get things that God has provided in our own way outside of him. So he provided, you know, he provided even love. You know, when we look for love outside of him, we end up missing the mark and we end up doing things when we're doing, trying to, to satisfy our needs in a way that's not his way. 
it's, that's, we end up there. We're, we're missing the mark. We're falling short of it. And we are actually, it's like, it's my way. I don't want your way to get that. I want, I want to be provided for, but I don't want to do it your way. Uh, so I'm going, you know, I'm going to steal for it. I'm going to take it. I want it now, and I want it. This is easier than me submitting to your way, so I'm going to do it this way. Or I want, uh, I, I want to experience love in a relationship, but I don't want your way. I don't want to, you know, uh, the covenant of marriage or anything like that. I want my way, so I'm going to go, and I'm going to find it my way, and, and we end up falling short and missing it. Um, you know, you could go down the list with those things. Uh, we lie, you know, lying. Well, we know lying is a sin. Why is it a sin? We're trying to get whatever we're lying to try to get. We're trying to get it not through God, not through his principles. We're doing it through deception. That's our means to getting our, our desired end. And it's our way. It's the easy. Maybe it feels easy. Maybe it feels like if we don't do that, it's not going to happen. And instead of trusting God and looking to him and going to him, we go and we find other ways to go about doing it, and it ends up being sin. And the problem is, is that whatever, whenever we obey has the right to become our master. And so when, we, when we're going his way, he's our master, and he's a good master. He never, I mean, he doesn't ever even force anything. He is such a good master. You know what I mean? Like, he, he gives you choices. He doesn't force anybody to do anything. He's not pushy. He's not, he's not demanding. He's, he's, he, he, he always says, you choose. I want you to do it because you want to. I want you to choose because, because you see that I'm good because, because of love. I want you to make these choices, not because I'm making you. But the enemy is not like that. When we, when we yield to sin, we, ma- we make him our master. And guess what? He is he doesn't play fair. He's demanding. He's pushy. He takes, he'll, he'll take you and, and he'll do everything he can to trap you in it to where if it's up to him, you'll never get out. And that's what God, that's what Jesus dealt with. He came to interrupt that cycle of sin. Because what happens when we, we try it in our own efforts and then we, 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 it doesn't work out well because God's way is the only way that works. And then on the heels of sin comes this identity thing where we feel like crap. We feel guilty. We feel condemned. We have a, our self-worth starts to suffer. And, and then we try to escape that. And so we go back into other behavior patterns trying to escape that feeling of, of guilt and that feeling of depression. And you just get stuck in this cycle. And the only way to break that is what Jesus did and and his forgiveness that came through the blood intercepted that cycle and stopped it from carrying out its course. It's the power of forgiveness. So when it says here that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, when he says, I'm forgiving you because of the price that Jesus has paid because of the blood, you are forgiven, that cycle is stopped. No longer does sin have the right to keep, uh, to keep running you in that. Why? Because the forgiveness, in that forgiveness is also the removal of guilt. The Bible talks, many of the verses in the Bible, the, uh, the word remission and the word forgiveness are used in, you know, you might have the same verse in different translations, use both of those words. So there's some that will say forgiveness, some will say remission. Remember what we talked about, remission. This is a molecular remission. 
where the blood of Jesus reaches in and actually changes that there's no evidence. It goes into the very DNA of your spirit and changes it to take that through his forgiveness. There's a, a removal of that that you can't even, I mean, there's no evidence that ever existed. When we understand this, when we put our faith in it for this, it'll, it'll be active like that in our lives. I'm not just an old sinner forgiven by grace. I, I've been changed from the very, down to the very cells of my DNA. Have they been changed? And I've, it's, it's been, it, Jesus is now the prototype. You put his DNA and my DNA next to each other, guess what? You can't tell the difference because it's his blood that's been transfused into me. There's no difference when the enemy, enemy tries to provide some DNA samples in that court. Guess what? It's Jesus' DNA, and that's why it says, oh, no, not guilty. Because your DNA is the same as his now. The evidence against you has been abolished because your identity has been changed. Through the blood of Jesus, you've been transfused into you. His life, his nature, his DNA, his, his, the, the antibodies to overcome. It's the power of the blood. You know that even your forgiveness, of, when God tells us to forgive, he's giving you that same power in the lives of, of other people. When we hold things against somebody, it, it damages us. But there's also an element Man, if you want somebody to, ch if you're wanting a relationship to change by holding grudge, by holding it against them, it's almost like you are helping to perpetuate that cycle of the bondage of sin, even if they're in the wrong. Your lack of forgiveness doesn't, when you forgive, you are interjecting just like God did into us to release them from the right of sin to continue to bind them and keep them in that cycle. It is a powerful thing. God has given us the power to forgive others. To rem There's even a verse in the Bible, I don't have it written down, that talks about how we can remit their sins. We can pray prayers over people. Because I've had a lot of people even say to me, well, what about the will of a person? This has been said to me multiple times uh, concerning a relative. You know, well, their will, they're not, they're not choosing to change. They're not choosing to do the right things. Well, your forgiveness has the power to interject into that, to lift off that says there's a verse in the Bible that says that the enemy, I'm going to give you the reference. We're not going to turn to it. But it says how um, in, in 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26, it says how um, it's telling us to correct people in humility so that God can grant them repentance so they may know the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the trap, the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Remember, he is not a good master. When we yield to him, he overtakes to try, he takes people captive, blinds them, takes them where they're not even in their right senses. Have you ever known somebody like that when they start going down that path? Man, I mean, it's just like you, you can't talk to them. They can't see straight. They're, their senses are blinded. They're, they're, they're captive. They're, they're total in total captivation. Forgiveness breaks that. You say, well, their will is still. Yeah, but their will is being bound by the enemy. 
When you choose to forgive, you're remitting those sins. Jesus said, don't forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He was remitting the sins of the people that were attacking him so that what? They would have the opportunity to repent, to come to their senses, to escape the trap of sin, and not be taken captive by him to do his will. The power of forgiveness. That's what God does for us, and that's what we have the power to do for each other. Your forgiveness, I mean, unforgiveness is a hindrance, is a blockage. It will stop you from receiving, but it will also stop the changes that you want to see in the lives of the people that that you are dealing with. It'll trap them into that behavior. When we forgive, we release them. And that's what God does for us. That's what the blood does for us. He he releases us. He he takes off the penalty, removes the penalty of sin. Hallelujah. The remission of sins. Forgiveness will bring healing. Pastor Mark says this. It says, "While while reaching into heaven's holiest place, the blood extends to man's lowest place. It frees mankind from Satan's dominion and carries righteousness, mercy, redemption, and healing. The blood is alive and proves God's love for us. Through faith in the blood of Jesus, we can live in the reality of our redemption because the blood liberates us from the curse of sin, depression, sickness, and poverty, and it provides real solutions to real problems for real people. Not one issue in your life that there's not an answer to in the finished work of Christ, in the power of the blood that was shed for you. It will fix anything that's wrong in you. I guess that's what I really wanted to get across today. I wanted us to stir ourselves up in that today, to to remember Remember that it's not by our own works of righteousness. It's not by our own good works and by our own efforts. You don't even have to fix everything that's wrong that you see in your life. You just have to put your faith and your trust in the power of the blood. And how do you do that? The most, one of the most important components of that is you've got to do it verbally, out loud. So with your mouth, when you declare, I plead the blood, or I believe in the power of the blood in my life, or I thank you, Lord, that the blood is applied to my heart, and that is forgiveness and mercy and redemption, and everything that I have need of is supplied through the blood that was shed for me. Instead of talking the problem, talk the solution. When the darkness closes in, when, when you sense the atmosphere, you know, heaviness in the atmosphere, in your home or with your family members, put, go to the blood. That is your greatest weapon. Talk about it. Think about it. Sing about it. Say it out loud. I plead the blood. That's my case before you. I plead the blood over my children even when they don't deserve it. We have protection that's promised to us. And, of course, this, the, 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 the example of that was in Exodus when, when um, the people, the children of Israel, when they were in Egypt and the angel of death was getting ready to come through the land, the Lord told them to put the blood of a lamb. What did that represent? 
Who's the Lamb of God? Jesus, the Lamb who died for us. They put the blood of a lamb with that wasn't supposed to have any spot or wrinkle. They, they killed the lamb as a sacrifice and put that blood on the door. And then they consumed. They ate for dinner that night. They had lamb. That's a, that's a type and shadow of what? The cup and the bread. We eat and remember that he is in us as we consume that bread as a symbol of his body. And we drink that cup of juice as a symbol of the blood that was shed for us. And, it, and, and, and as it goes down into us physically, we're, we're, we're picturing it going down into every part of us, every part of our soul, every part of, uh, uh, that's been damaged by sin, every part of our personality, everything, every, every place where there's been pain or there's been uh, uh, brokenness that blood goes there and it brings wholeness instead of brokenness it restores brings life when the life of God is there it is impossible for you to be dominated by sin it is impossible for you to be bound by the enemy because the life of God in your spirit is what makes you uh, rise up to walk to overthrow that where in Romans 6, it said, sin shall not have dominion over you. Say, well, it sure feels like it. I don't feel free. I feel bound. Go put your faith in the blood. Talk about it. Sing about it. Learn about it. Consume it. Till til, til, man, you're so confident in what he has done for you and, and how the blood qualifies you that, that there's just sin and condemnation are just driven out. Anything that would disqualify you is driven out and erased. Faith in the blood of Jesus. So we've, we've got to continue in this. This is not something, we've, we've got to make sure that we are, 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 are building our, our consciousness of this and that we go to this every time in the face of whatever it is that you're facing. Hallelujah. You think we have, shall we do communion? Let's, let's do that. We'll close with this. We'll close with communion today. So we have communion in the back, and so I'm going to ask the ushers to start to distribute that. And I want you, as we're doing that, as we're, as we're preparing for that, I want you to think about whatever it is that you're facing. This is the miracle meal. This is the place. When you come to the blood and the body of Jesus broken for you, it's the place where miracles take place. It's the place of encounter. Remember Jesus, I remember the, in Exodus, he said, I'll, I'll meet you there at the mercy seat. I'll meet you where the blood is applied. That's where he'll meet you. And guess what? You can't have an encounter with God. You can't have a meeting with God and not know it and not come away changed. It marks you. It marks you. It changes things. It changes things. What do you need to change in your life? What is it that, the, what do you need to change in your body? What do you need to change, what do you need to see changed in your household? This is the place where that change comes from, is you go to the blood and his, and his sacrifice, what he's done for us. So as you think about that, think about what, even as we take communion today, we're going to apply the blood to this area, whatever area of your life. 
Maybe it's a jacked up relative <laughs> who's acting crazy that you, you can apply the blood. Let's apply the blood. I'm going to sprinkle them. And, you know, as a priest, they, they, they would have to do that regularly because especially if people aren't trying to live right, they go out and they keep contaminating themselves, <laughs> keep yielding to sin and giving it the right to come in. But guess what we can do? As priests, we apply the blood and we just keep pushing it back. Keep pushing it back. We're saying, I, play, I thank you, Father. I, I put my faith in the blood and its power over my daughter, over my son, to, to, to do what uh, Hebrews 13 Write that one down. Hebrews 13, 20 says that by the blood of the covenant, you'll perfect, complete, strengthen, make them what they ought to be, and give them everything they need to carry out your will. I'm applying the blood to this family member, that you're doing that. As I apply the blood, you're completing them. You're perfecting them. You're giving them what they do need to be able to overcome. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. <clears throat> I'm applying the blood to myself, to my mind. It's perfecting me. You're making me what I ought to be in my mind, in my will. You're, you're, you're strengthening me at this table. So do you have some things? Do you have some things in mind that you're, that you're going to apply this to today? Don't just do it mindlessly. Let's do it intentionally. Take communion, man. When you're in the middle of a battle, pull this out and say, I'm coming to this table of my covenant, of, of what Jesus has done for me, and I'm making my claim based on this blood, his body broken for me, his blood shed for me. That's the basis for what I'm asking you for, Father. It's a, that's a, man, that's how you anchor in, man. You, that's the anchor that takes you. It actually, you get anchored up. You go, that anchor, it'll anchor you to right to the throne room of God. <laughs> the anchor behind, beyond the veil. The anchor for your faith that you won't get moved from that. You won't get tossed. You won't get turned. You, even when things try to, to rage against you to get you to throw in the towel, this will be your anchor. Faith in the blood. Say faith in the blood. Say, I have faith in the blood. I put my trust in the power of the blood. It gives me life. Changes my DNA. Changes my desires. And the things that I'm prone to. It gives me uh, uh, nutrients in my spirit. And the antibodies to overcome, to protect me, it purifies me, it washes me, it regulates me, regulates my life. Here's another confession we'll do just before we do this. Um, yes, I have one. Let's say this. Say, the blood of Jesus purges me of every defilement of the enemy keeps and guards my mind put your head on your hand on your mind on your head keeps and guards my mind day and night it prevents deception it aborts every attempt of the enemy to deceive me the blood of Jesus is my divine protection against all the fiery darts of the evil one. It is alive 
full of life and grace, and it perfects that which concerns me. It reconciles everything in me to the perfect will of God every day and in every way. Hey, this is Pastor Joe. And before you go, I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to be 100% sure that heaven will be your eternal home. It's very simple. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you mean business with God, he means business with you. I want you to pray this very simple but powerful prayer and mean it with all your heart. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. I believe that you are crucified and God raised you from the dead. I believe that you are the Son of God. I repent of all my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. I give you my life. Do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. The Bible says all the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you just prayed that prayer. The next step is to find a good, strong local church. If you live anywhere near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we invite you to join us at Life in Christ every Sunday at 10 a.m. We have some of the best people on planet Earth. We love you, God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast. Help us to continue to share the message of faith with those all over the world. Visit licchurch.com forward slash give to partner with us today.